Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, very familiar, it will not be. Uh, something that you haven't read and could quote over and over, but there's something that God began to stir inside of me, and I felt to encourage and strengthen the church with it. Amen. Verse number 28, Matthew, Come unto me, Jesus speaking, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Is anybody there? And I will give you rest. Everybody said rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word this morning that is ever, Lord, established in heaven, God. And I'm asking you to move this morning and speak through these lips of clay. Let your anointing rest upon us this morning as a church to encourage, to strengthen, Lord, to uplift in this service this morning. For, God, it is our desire, Lord, somehow to strengthen and encourage your people. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, right now. Amen and amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I hardly know where to start, but I don't know how long this has been in the process, but a while. And uh, it it seems like, uh, you know, there's times that you minister something and, and you get it and you go on, and this seems like this has been just a kind of a continual thing. It's just like, okay, the Lord... Add something else, add something else, and just would not quit. And I want to preach this morning on this subject, his yoke. His yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. And just to kind of somehow set a stage for what's going on, uh, I, I have been praying now for some time that the Lord would see fit to give me a message of encouragement for the church that would just knock it out of the park. And of course, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever know when that really happens. But I do feel like the Lord has certainly given me a message this morning of strength and encouragement to the church and also something to remind us the yoke don't have to be hard. And I know sometimes that we as as individuals make it hard i mean it's in our personality we're only flesh so we make things hard many times that don't have to be hard and we take things too serious sometimes that we'd be better off to turn over to god and say okay god here it is and i I know if you're like i am sometimes i have trouble doing that i think i can work this out and then the lord said no you can't so I, i believe it is uh, hard many times because we just make it hard. And also to encourage and kind of 
He helped the church this morning that I want us to realize that the enemy has been after this church from the very onset. Even from the first church and the second church and and uh, and and even and and I've noticed something that and this I know it's the enemy, but from we know that the enemy moved in the first church. You that were there with us, that the enemy would try to discourage and trouble us. The second church and even the onset of moving into the building. Here comes a, you know, here comes trials. Here comes temptations. Here comes problems. You know. And, and then I've noticed that since we've come here. Now look around, and here he goes again, and he's trying to trouble the church. And I happen to be reading a little, uh, I believe it was even maybe the forward, I'm not sure, but anyhow, in uh, Jim Simbella's book, The Church That God Blesses, I just kind of just picked it up by, uh, out of my office and thought I'm going to read this again it's been a while just to recall it to my remembrance and started reading a little bit and and the very first things that I run on to began to relate to where we're at brother Terry and I, I just want to kind of give you a little of what Jim Simbella said he said every revival in church history has been started by pastors and believers who become deeply dissatisfied with the moral and the spiritual climate around them. Is that not where we're at? I don't know about you, but I am dissatisfied with the climate of the world around me and, and the situation. And he says this, he says, the baby is under attack. And I began to think of that, and I thought, well, we're not a baby. We've been a church here now for a lot of years. But And I began to think, but we are in a new endeavor. Every time we had changed from one building to another, Brother Freddie, it was a new endeavor because we was depending on God to fill that building and to do something in our midst. So once again, I thought, yeah, we moved to Mount Carmel. Here comes the enemy that he wants to work on us. So he's working on the baby. He's working on a new work because this is a new work. It's, it is, yes, we were a church before, but we have endeavored upon a new mission. Everybody said a new mission. We have endeavored to reach this city for the glory of God. So can I say with Jim Simbella that the baby is under attack? Amen. You, you notice that back through history, Herod attacked the babies of his day. He wanted to do away with all of those two years and under, and he wanted to make sure he got Jesus, but you know it didn't happen. So Satan attacks the baby because it is young and vulnerable. I'm going to tell you, whatever time you change from one building to another, you are vulnerable because things are different. You find that out real quick that things are different where you're at and there is a, somehow a more of a responsibility it seems like that is put upon the church every time we moved there was a greater responsibility amen and and i want you to know that god is with us through all of those responsibilities jim simbella says this often when a new ministry begins satan will often attack it at the outset trying to squelch what God is doing before it gathers momentum 
and builds a strong faith. He, he wants to catch you while your faith is low and while you're discouraged and while you're troubled. Hey, hey, isn't that the way he does? He does it with me, I'm, I'm sure he does the same way with you. Amen. So this morning, I want to tell you, so let me just set it straight. I didn't come here this morning to weigh you down. This is not my purpose. Rather, I came here today to lighten your load and to somehow to lift you from the depressed state. Amen. The truth is, many of you have brought enough baggage into this place today. Amen. That you don't need anybody to add to your baggage. But what you need to do is to lighten the load. And this morning, by the help of God, I want to lighten your load this morning. The devil is out there to load you down again. Amen. Just as Jesus lightens your load, he's there to give you another load. And as I begin, amen, I don't know how many, you know, long ago I've been on this, but this thing has began to work on me, and I began to think, and Brother Fred will remember, uh, there's an old song that we used to sing years ago, even when I was a child, and it was called The Tattler's Wagon. And I'm going to reminisce just a little of that, well, that song this morning to show you that this is where we are at. Once I had a Tattler's Wagon, which behind me I did pull. And just as fast as I could empty it, some friend would fill it full. By and by, I got so busy there was little else to do, but still we'd meet and sing and sing, I'm going through, Jesus, I'm going through. Well, I was going through and tattling as I went, but going through like that, you know, isn't worth a cent. I'd talk about my neighbors. They'd talk about me too. Then we'd go to church and sing. Tis the old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Amen. Though we'd sing, I want to see him, I think of how we lied. For we would load our wagons up with tattlers junk inside. And we would tattle as we went over the fence, back fence too. Then we'd go to church and sing when we all see Jesus. We shall sing and shout the victory. All oh, glory. As someone testified in church, some good sister doubts. Others have no confidence when a certain party shouts. Come on. When someone hears a little lie for some good reason told, he loads his wagon up, then sings, I believe Jesus saves and his blood washes whiter than snow. All the things that we should do is smash those wagons now and each one bridle his own tongue and stop this thing somehow. Oh, let's stop this awful tattling. Let's bring it to an end and we can go to church and sing in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. Is that not where we're at as a church? I don't care what we do. There is somebody that's tattling about the church. Come on. There's somebody on the outside that's saying, don't go down there. Them people are, you never believe them people. They aren't what they, you know, they're just trying to tear down the work of God, you know. They want to hurt the baby, you know. We're living in a world today that don't care nothing about babies. Sister McGee was watching the other morning, watching news, and, and she was telling me about the incident that this young lady had went into a, 
I believe it was a bathroom to a place where she worked, I think. And, uh, and she had had a baby in the commode, and, and the baby was a healthy baby, took it and tied it up in a trash bag and threw it in the trash. Well, they found the baby, and they found her, and now they've got her for murder. Yet we've got abortion clinics all over this world and it's all right for them to murder thousands and millions of babies every year. We are living in the worst society that is not looking at God. They're not looking at the Bible. They're not looking at the laws of God. Our nation, our president, and everybody that's in control don't want nothing to do with the Bible. They want to take it out of the system. I'm telling you what they're after is the infant child, Jesus Christ because they don't want that name. They don't want God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, but his yoke is easy. Glory. Hallelujah. I think this described this very song. I'm not saying in our church, don't get me wrong, don't take me wrong, but I'm saying there's tattling going on. And, and those same people that tattle out there sometimes come in here. And, and, and they start spreading that junk on the inside of the church. This is the world that we live in. Have I not described the world that we lived in just by a mere song this morning? But I want to let you know this morning that God is still on the throne. And I want you to know this morning that when the Lord said, my yoke is easy, let me tell you, Jesus is saying, in other words, connect <laughs> or yoke up with me. My yoke is easy. You know, you know a yoke, and, and many of you know what a yoke was. It was put on the oxen on his neck, and when the load was pulled, it put pressure on the neck of the ox, and he pulled that awful load. I'm going to tell you, we're living in a world today, there's only one person that you want to yoke up with, and that's Jesus Christ. Come on. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, we want to be careful what we are yoked with. If you're yoked up with Jesus, your yoke is easy, but if you're yoked up up with anything else I want to tell you it'll be a hard yoke and it'll be a hard load for you to pull glory my yoke is easy his yoke is easy hallelujah he said if you're going to yoke up with something yoke up with the right thing come on there is all kinds of things in this world to yoke up with Come on, there's every kind of religion that you want. There's everything, and, and, and I, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I read it in the newspapers. I, I catch these little hints, and we're having a special something, and it's always on Sunday night, and we want every, ch every church in town to yoke up with what we're doing, not what they're wanting. They're wanting with this, all these churches to become one, but honey, I'm telling you, truth cannot yoke up with evil. It will never go any place. We gotta yoke up with the right thing. We we cannot connect with evil. We cannot connect with something that's a spirit of air. We got to connect to truth. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 28, verse number 48. says, Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger and in thirst and nakedness, and in one of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he hath destroyed thee. Hallelujah. We've got to be careful what we yoke up with. We can yoke up with something and it'll destroy us. I'm telling you, that's what, 
the enemy wants to do in this city. He'd like to destroy this church, but he doesn't have the power to do it. Come on. Greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. Come on. I don't have to be, I don't have to be troubled about it because I know whose hands I'm in. I know who I'm yoked up with, Brother Terry. <laughs> I'd be worried if I had the enemy on this side, the spirit of air. But what I know is that I'm, I'm on Jesus' side. Come on. I've read the end of the book, and we are on the winning side, church. No matter what the devil says, no matter what kind of pictures he paints to us, no matter how many times he whispers in your ear and say, you'll never make it in Mount Carmel. I'm here to tell the devil personally that we can make it by the help of God. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm yoked up with Jesus and I'm on the right side and it's going to be alright even in the face of the enemy. Glory. Hallelujah. Don't yoke up with the tattlers outside. Don't yoke up with them. Don't take on their aspirations and what they want to do. Come on, you better check out where you're headed. You better choke it, check, check it out, choke it, choke it out. You better choke it out. You better see who you're yoked up with. Oh, God is wanting to do something in this house, and I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Feel his presence in here. Psalm 68 and 19. I got a lot of scripture this morning. Stay with me. Blessed be the Lord. I like that. Blessed be the Lord. Who daily loadeth us with benefits. Hmm. Even the God of our salvation. Selah. Loadeth there means to bear up or to carry. It's not that he's loading you down that you can't carry some. What he's doing, he's bearing you up that you can carry it. He's carrying it for you. He's, he's supporting you. This describes what the Lord wants to do for his children daily. He wants to bear our burdens. Somebody says he wants to carry them. Come on. Come on. Somebody said he wants to carry them. And I know, come on, we have problems with this, but sometimes it's hard for us to turn our burdens over the Lord and let Him carry them. We take them to the altar, Brother Mike, and we lay them down, but before when we get up, we take them on and carry them back, and we wonder why in the world I went up there to get rid of them. Well, you shouldn't have picked them back up. When you give something to the Lord, you need to leave it there. That old song, Sister McGee, that says, leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And still leave them there. We're talking about them all day long and, and tomorrow and all week. And we're, hey, when you talk about something that long, you're not leaving them there. You're carrying them, honey. And he said, if you'd cast them on me, I'll carry them for you. I'll load you with benefits. I'll carry what you've got for you. And you won't have to be alone and carry them. Be careful what you yoke up with. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me, let me just read the literal translation since I'm glad she still got that up there. Psalm 68, 19. Let me, let me read the literal translation. Blessed be the Lord. Day by day, he bears burdens for us. 
the God of our salvation. <sighs> Selah. I, I know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I think we need to read it just that way. Blessed be the Lord day by day. He bears burdens for us, the God of our salvation. Oh, what a relief. It's a sigh. It's, 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 it's the David sigh. Selah. Amen. Psalms 55, verse number 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Everybody said sustain. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. <laughs> he is my sustaining force, Brother Terry. When I cannot make it alone, I am yoked up with Jesus. And when I can't pull, he shoulders the load. But if you're yoked up with the enemy, honey, you're going to fall and you're not going to go any place. You're going to stand still. But when I am with Jesus and I'm yoked up with my Savior, there is no power of hell, no load that can load me down to the place that I can't move forward because when I'm yoked up with him, he said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you'll get yoked up with me, everything that you've worked for, I'll help get you there. My, his yoke is easy. Somebody say his yoke is easy. Oh, Jesus. Now, I'm going to give a reference. It's not up there. Just so you know, I'm still in the Word, that it's still there. Psalm 68, verse 28 and 30. The Lord, I, the Lord God commanded our strength. He, he, the Bible said He commanded our strength. Even in the face of the enemy, when you're down, when there's no strength left in you, the Bible said He commanded our strength. And he said, he went on down then in verse 30, and he said, I'm going to rebuke those that war against you. I'm going to scatter those who delight in war. Come on, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling mighty good. When I began to read what he had to say, that he was going to scatter those that are warring against me, Brother Terry, I started feeling kind of encouraged. When, when the Lord is going to command my strength, when, when I'm without strength, Sister McGee, many times in the last month, when you've been without strength in the midnight hours, she's been praying, and she's been praying for strength that the Lord would give her strength. I want to tell you, the Lord was really commanding her strength. Oh, you know, you can't just keep this up. I'm going to keep on commanding strength till she gets all of her strength back. Hallelujah, church. I'm going to tell you, it's not always going to be a down syndrome. The Lord said, I'm commanding the strength in First Apostolic Church. And there's not enough devils in Mount Carmel to take away the strength of the church. I'm going to command the strength. Hallelujah. I'm going to command the strength of my people. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Glory, Jesus. Praise God. Isaiah 58 and verse 6. Is not this the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens and to let, I like this, the oppressed go free 
and that you break every yoke. Now it's talking about the, those things that are load you now. Those things that are slowing you down. Those things that are impeding the progress of the church. He said, I want, it's time to break those yokes because those aren't good yokes. You're yoked up with the wrong thing. You need to break those yokes up. You need to destroy them. You need to get yoked up with the true and the living God because when you yoke up with him, it'll break all the other yokes. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. If I'll just get it in my mind that I'm going to yoke up with him, all the other yokes will be broken. Hallelujah. Lamentations 3, verse number 32 says, But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. You know what? We can't even begin to fantasize all the mercies of God. They're new every morning. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, if he, if he, each one of us in here, if we could just even get a picture of it, and it'd be, I don't think there's no way we can do that, but maybe just a likeness, if you could just understand this building full of mercies every day just for each one of us. If you could just phantom that in your mind, that his mercies are new every morning. Oh, oh, oh. glory. His mercies endureth forever, too. They're good. It's according to the multitude of His mercies. Let me tell you, there's not a dev devil's in hell to pour out enough loads on you to get you down when Jesus said, I'm going to break the yokes and I'm going to give you mercy. Come on. It's a multitude of mercies that I'm going to give you every day. Church, the yoke is only for a season. Come on. Yeah, he didn't aim for us to be in the field plowing all night. Come on, there is a rest wherein the weary can rest and a refreshing. And he said, that's yours. Come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you off another yoke and I'm going to let you rest without any worries. I'm going to give you some rest in your sleep. Come on, I'm going to give you genuine sleep. I'm going to give you genuine, come on, clearance of mind to where you don't have to think on all these things, but it's going to be all right because you're yoked up with me oh Jesus his yoke is easy his yoke is easy hallelujah Galatians 5 and 1 glory stand fast therefore in the everybody said liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again everybody said again with the yoke of bondage why is it we know all of the word of God we we can quote verse by verse and in, inevitably we'll let something drag us down to the part to the very can I say drag us to the ground and we can't get up yet I'm yoked up with Jesus he does not have the power to do that. He cannot drag me down to the ground. It was the enemy, the serpent that was supposed to eat dust, not the Christian. Come on, hallelujah. 
Come on. It was him that's going. No, no, not me. Don't put me down with you because I'm not going there. I've got to, I'm, I'm yoked up with the Savior. And you've got to understand where you're at. I'm not going to be because he's not going to allow that because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And when I'm yoked up with him, it's going to be all right. I know we get troubled. I get troubled. You get troubled. We're none of us above being discouraged and despondent. There's not a one of us. We all have our days. And can I say even sometimes weeks, months, years? But I don't have to make it hard and go down. I can stay up because Jesus is with me. And if we are yoked together, then his shoulder is going to carry me. Come on. He is not weak. There is no variableness in all in him. There is no shadow of the turning. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't change. He stays with it, honey. When he's pulling, even though you can't pull, the load is going to move because he's all-powerful. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. I hope somebody's getting encouraged. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. First Timothy, chapter number 6, and several verses here. I feel like pastor now. I've got all these scriptures. Just kept, just, you just kept nailing me. I'm telling you, this is... This has all been done in the wee hours of the morning. And just, I sat down at my desk and he just kept flooding me and I kept writing and kept writing. But godliness with contentment. Everybody say contentment. I wish we would say that just all relaxed. Contentment. Is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having. We don't have to have a lot to be content. Just listen to this. And having food. And raiment. Let us therewith be content. Closets are running over. More shoes than we can wear. So many clothes that we can't even remember the last time we wore that shirt. All those suits that you thought you wanted and now some of them you never even wear. Yet having food and raiment, therewith to be content. Y'all catch that? Are you all catching this? But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. You tell me this is not where we're at. We're living in a generation now that they want everything now 
that it took mom and dad all their life to get, and I still don't have much. So my maybe that's why my kids don't want a lot is because they've never had a lot anyway. So, and that's all right because I, they learned a lesson. Oh yeah, I've been bombarded down through life. I raised my children in a house that cost me five thousand dollars. And I worked on it for 25 years, and it still wasn't finished. Sold it to the daughter, and, or, well, if you want to call it, sell it. And she worked on it. And she sold it, and somebody else is still working on it. What I'm trying to tell you is you can work on something all your life, and it don't matter to a hill of beans, as Mama used to say. Well, I'm about ready to go there, and I'm in a little bit here. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Come on. I'm still talking about his yoke is easy. It's the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows just by having a love and a want for money. They've ruined their whole life. But thou, O man of God, now let me, take, let me tell you, this ain't just talking about the preacher. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, run from them, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Those scriptures, if we could just take those right there and be content, God would do something miraculous in our church. See, the riches, and can I say, and everybody say with me, things of this world can be a snare unto us. But contentment is where the real riches are. Glory. But we're living in a generation that never becomes content when they get, when they, when they get this new home. Then after a while, the, the good wears off of it and somebody else has got something better and they want something better. I have never seen so many people, you know, they're selling homes that... You know, I think, man, that's a nice home. They're selling it and wanting something better. It's, it, we've got to have a new one. This is not good enough. We're, we're not content. This is this don't have enough rooms. We've got, we've got to have it bigger than the Joneses, yet they're not using uh, all of those rooms, and there's two or three lives there, and, and we've got four bedrooms, five bedrooms, and we've got a great room that nobody can get in. Okay, can I go there, Brother Fred? Now, he'll help me, I'm sure. He's telling me a story the other day of a friend of his who was going to bring in a couch. And um, he said, this, he said, Fred, this, he said, I, this is crazy. I, he said, I, I'm doing it just because the wife got tired of it, said this was in our room, and said yeah, yeah, she, this was her uh, great room, or I don't know what you want to call it. I don't forget what he called it, but anyhow, it was the room that nobody's allowed in. You wasn't allowed in it. He said, one night I got me a drink, and I headed for that room and started to step foot in it, you know, and she said, mm-mm-mm. So what do you mean? We got a couch there? He said, no, we, only, we just use that when company comes. It's, 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 that's a great room. Nobody's allowed in here. 
He said, the truth of this, this thing, and I don't know how many years old it was. It was several years old. And he said, nobody's even hardly sat on this couch. And it was a how, how many dollars couch, brother? How many dollars? $2,000 couch and hardly been sat on. He said, now I'm, I'm just, he said, I, yeah, I know it's crazy. He said, but you know, I guess somebody could have this for $400. Brand new. But she just got tired of it and she wanted another. Come on, I'm talking about contentment. Come on, his yoke is easy, but if we get yoked up with the wrong things, we'll be wanting everything, and God will take last place in our life, and church will not be important any longer. Come on, the Word of God will have no meaning any longer. You may have everything and have nothing. Help me, Jesus. Sister McGee, I know sometimes I, I've been known to complain about our mobile home. We've been known to complain to you times. And then after a while, we decide, okay, God, this is what matters. It's just a place to sleep and eat. So what matters? Yeah, we need a lot of things done to it. We talk about it all the time. I, I get a little bit of it done, and I don't get it all done, and probably never will. But it's home. I moved out of Parsonage. It was nice, real nice, brand new, virtually. I know. I'm just going I'm, I'm going to be open and just as clear with you this morning. I think I can do it just as, as well as anybody when it comes to that, being simple, because I'm simple. I got it from my daddy. I'm, I'm not, I'm glad. They taught me the simple ways of life, and I don't have to have a lot, and I'm glad. I'm glad. Sister McGee and I went and found us the cheapest mobile home we could find when we was moving town because we wasn't worried about having inch carpets and tell city furniture and all that junk it didn't matter so we went and walked into a dimly lit mobile home mistake number one I should have told them to turn all the bright lights on So I can see all the flaws, but it'll look good. It looks so clean and neat in, in the dark. And we purchased it for a whole $8,500. Man, we're living, I'm telling you, we're living in Cherry Hills. I know I'm teaching this morning. I, I know I, but I, I've got to get a message across because God didn't deal with me this way for no purpose. Because we're in the most discontented world that I have ever seen in my life. They tear down buildings that look so good that somebody would love to have. And they'll push it over and bury it. Wasteful America. No thought of God. No thought of nothing. Only building bigger and better. That's where the president's headed. He wants to build a name for himself. And he wants to do it without God, and it'll never happen. 
Hallelujah. Well, glory. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. I'm getting there. Slowly, but I'm getting there. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. And that ye through his poverty might be rich. My mom and daddy were not rich in the things of this world. But when they prayed, the Lord answered. And I'm rich because of my poor parents. They didn't make me, they didn't leave me a bundle of riches. They didn't leave me nothing like that. But they left me with little sentiments that I can carry to my grave that nobody can take away from me. They left me with Bibles all marked up and Scripture written down that nobody can take away. And the words so many times in those Bibles, this is good, read this. When the whole thing is good, but when something stands out so good, in other words, this makes me content. Read this. Come on. The last home they owned was a little 28 by 8 trailer. And they were happier as a lark. I mean, they were happy. They were, they were smiling like a barrel of chipmunks. You go in there, daddy's sitting down on the couch and got that light on, and he's sitting there reading the Bible, and mama's doing her own thing. They're just happy as they can be. Whip up a meal and we'd eat. Come on. Not a sad story to tell you, but tell you how good God has been, no matter how sick they had been, but how good God had been. Even on, on the deathbed, mama still telling you how good God is. She witnessed to the nurses that come to take care of her, and they all fought over who was going to get to come. Because something about her made them feel good when they walked into our home, that little old $5,000 home that, you know, that said, well, I don't know why he, here he works at a power plant and lives in that little old home, a little old dingy thing, why don't he buy something and spend a million dollars? I'll tell you why after a while. I'm not going to tell you right now. I become rich because of mom and dad's poorness. Let me say it like this. Through your poverty, others become rich. Come on. Hallelujah. You know what? Because the more things you've got, the more, the more time it takes to take care of them. The less you've got, the less you've got to take care of. We downsize, and I don't care if we downsize again. It'd be all right with me. Oh, yeah, come on. Now. I know I'm getting down where we live, but this is where we're at. Come on. And we're not only there... In the flesh, but we're there spiritually because if we're there in the natural, we're there in the spiritual because there's so much of, the, of this world that takes our time. Oh, glory. Preach it, Bishop. Hallelujah. Glory. As we sacrifice to give to missions, they become spiritually rich because of our sacrificial giving. Many of them would be glad to just have one Bible like I've got. I've read stories where that they would pull, pull a Bible in two because they wanted a part of it. 
So each one of them take a part. And here we got, I don't know how many I've got. I can't even count them. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't even know. But there's something about the Word of God that my daddy drilled in me that I love Bibles. And I'm a lot like him when it comes to my studying. Sister McGee, if I'm studying in my own office, she'll come in and I've got my, uh, I've got a drawer open here and I've got Bibles laying on it, you know, my file cabinet. I've got file, and then over on this other side, I've got a long table there and I've got Bibles lying there and they're laying on the floor because I've got certain ones that I like to study with and I want to see what this and had to said and that, that commentary had to said and this and had to said and I want to read them all together and I want to pick out the good nuggets out of all of them and I want to put it, now that's like daddy, that's what daddy used to do. He used to lay them all down there. Amen. Then he'd tell me to take one, and he'd say, okay, now you go look up this scripture, and he'd go look up another scripture, and we'd, we'd read them, and then he'd give me some more scripture, and I'd go look them up. I become rich in the Word of God because of Daddy. And it wasn't because he was rich in earthly things. He, didn't have a, he, he had no banking account. He didn't trust a bank. You've got to remember, he, he grew up in the Depression. When you was born in 1899, honey, you, you, know, you didn't even know what a bank was anyway. You didn't know what money was hardly, so what little bit you got, you held on to. And Sister McGee's lot got a lot of little of Brother McGee in her because she holds on to it. It's not a bad thing either, and you'll find that out for us over. I'm, I'm I thank God for my wife. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. In fact, I, I might just go ahead and just go ahead and just, just unload this story. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of just a little joke anyway, and I'll laugh with you. It'll be all right. Sister McGee and I, we always, we always make a little statement, you know, we own part of McDonald's because we go there so much. You go by, you probably see my car at McDonald's sometime during the day, maybe twice a day, maybe three times. Okay? Go ahead and laugh. And the reason why Sister McGinn and I choose McDonald's over a lot of the other places is because we're not willing to cut back on our giving to the kingdom of God. We're not willing. It's cheap. Everybody says it's cheap. You tell me where you can go eat any cheaper than you can at McDonald's. Where can you go get a hamburger and fries and a drink for $3.19? You tell me. That's pretty cheap. Come on, go ahead and laugh. That's, that's why Bishop and them goes there. That's right. That's why we go there. You know why? Because I realize the greater reward comes later. Come on. Come on. Somehow, church... We've got to learn to be content in the state we are because the things of this world don't matter to us. These things are not going to buy me nothing. I can't take anything with me. I brought nothing into this world and I can't take nothing out. And Brother McGee, as pastor has said it before, the only thing, and I've said it all my life, the only thing that I can take with me when I leave this place is people. And I want to make sure I take them to the right place. I want them to be yoked upright. I want them to, come on, have all the armor of God. I want them to be able to pull the load and to make it to the end. And if you're yoked upright, you'll make it to the end. And everything will be all right. And your needs will be met. And you'll have food and you'll have rain.
Sister McGee even hated the day that I said, I'm going to retire. She said, we'll have to quit. We'll have to cut back on our giving. I'm going to tell you, by God's help, we didn't hit, cut back much on our giving. In fact, we've increased it a few times. You know why? Because it don't matter if I've got food and raiment. No matter if I've got an $8,500 home sitting out there. That my, You might look in and say, this is terrible. Why don't you? Hey, it's home. It's a place to sleep. It's a place to eat. That's about all you're going to do there anyhow. I don't know about you, but I got things in the house of God that I want to do. I want to see some souls say, I'm going to use that home to pray in. I'm going to use that home, come on, to worship God in. I'm going to use it to get ready to go to church. Come on. <laughs> oh, I might have a clothes uh, uh, that's, uh, they'll clothe. my closets are full of clothes, but you know where they came from? The goodwill. My suits came from the goodwill. Come on. But, now these were new. That's back umpteen years ago when pastor become pastor because because Brother Boyd says, Brother McGee, he called me. He didn't call me, he called me. He says, I want, he said, I want you to go get a new pair of shoes. He said, because I'm going to give your others to your son. He said, I'll pay you for them. I said, no, you're not going to pay me for them. It's, it's a blessing to me. Guess what? I went down there and found a brand new pair of shoes just like that I had before and bought them. And he tried his best to pay me for them shoes. And he would have done it. He said, no, 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 you're not going to do that. That's my blessing. Come on. Hallelujah. You know what? The greater blessing is giving, not receiving. Come on. Come on, I'm preaching a little Bible to you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. We have got it all messed up. Contentment is not in the receiving. It's in the giving. I'm about to get the, woo! I'm about to feel it in here this morning. The blessing is in giving. It's not how much you got in your house. It's not how much you got in your bank account. It's how much you're giving out of your account to missions, to the church. Come on, to the work of God. Mm, glory. Man, am I being long-winded? I haven't looked lately. Yeah, I am. Oh, Jesus. Oh, glory. I'm going to tell you something. If you've not given sacrificially, you haven't given yet. I said, if you haven't given sacrificially, you haven't given yet. Boy, it's getting quiet. That's all right. I still feel anointed. See, what I have here on this earth will not benefit me one ounce in eternity. But what I give here will benefit me in eternity. Eternal ramifications. Woo, glory. Now, I'm going to read you my most favorite verse of the Bible. I've quoted this. I've preached it. Luke 6 and verse number 38. I'm going to get it. Thank you, Jesus. And I want you to catch this because 
I've read it all my life and didn't catch it till back a few years ago. And the Lord began to unfold this scripture to me. Give. And it. Everybody said it. Shall be given unto you. Everybody say first measure. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. Now listen real close. For with the same measure that ye met withal, or you gave, it, everybody said it, shall be measured to you again. Everybody say second measure or double portion. Any way you want to look at the scripture, any way you want to unfold it, it tells me there is a double portion coming for those who give. I know. Well, I'll tell you what, brother. I got one bishop. I'd be left $50. I never get paid nothing. Why, you hypocrite, you. You wasn't, you was looking for it all in money because that's all people's got their mind on anything is the dollar. But I'm going to tell you, even without the dollar, you and I can make it because God said he would provide us. Come on. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always into the end. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you what you have need of. You don't have to worry about it. He will give it back. More than you got, he'll give it back. Come on. He promises a double portion, and if we'll count it so and look at it in a godly manner, we always get the double portion at least. Oh, my. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm about to close. 1 Peter 5 and 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care, troubles, problems, financial, for he careth for you. Now, I want to read something. I left this till the end. It's actually our scripture lesson. I want to I read something that Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary said about Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 30. You can slip it up there, sister, if you want to. Matthew 11 and verse 30. I want, you, I, want, I want to read this to you. It's talking about, you know, come unto me and I'll give you rest, you know. He says, by whose voice do I hear this incomparable invitation? Moses was the divinely commissioned lawgiver of Israel. But I do not find him speaking so. Nor did the chiefest of the apostles presume to speak so. But that is saying little. For no human lips ever ventured to come within any measurable approach to such language. We could fantasy one saying we might say it and have it said ourselves. Come and I will show you where rest is to be found. But here the words are, come unto me, and I will give you rest. To give repose even to one weary, burdened soul, 
Much more to all that every age and every land, what mortal ever undertook this? What creature is able to do it? But here is one, one, everybody said one, who undertakes it. And his conscience that he has the power to do it. It is the voice of my beloved. It is not the serene voice of the tempter coming to steal away our hearts from the living God. It would be that if the spokesman were a creature, but it is only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in calling so lovely, come hither to me. He is wooing us back to that blessed bosom of our Father, that original and proper home of the heart, from which it is our misery that we were ever estranged. In other words, we yoked up with something else. Glory. As the source of all unrest is estranged from God, so the secret of true and abiding repose is that of the prodigal who when at length he came to say, I will arise and go to my father, straightway arose and went. But as Jesus is the way and the truth and the life of this return, so in subjection to Jesus as himself was in absolute subjection to his father is the heart's true rest. When the love of Christ constrains us to live not unto ourselves, come on, giving, being content in giving, Come on, church, you getting this? To be content in giving. How many of you guys ever... Well, I ain't going to ask you that question. Yeah, I will, but I want to ask you to raise your hand. How many has given and not been content in giving? Mercy. Well, you know, I've got this to pay and that to pay. Well, who got you there? But unto him... Glory. Whew. Who died for us and rose again. When we enter into his meekness and lowliness of heart. Who made himself of no reputation. And pleased not himself. In anything. But his father in restless discontent. And ambition and self-seeking are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Glory. I'm closing, church. I don't know about you, but I want to get rid of the yoke. Anything that's loading me down and keep me from pulling my load. It's time. I'm telling you. It's time to downsize. Come on. I'm not talking spiritually. I'm talking carnally. It's time to get some of this load off of us. We're so loaded with debt and this and that because we've got to have this and that and this and that that you can't take none of it with you. And the truth is you probably ain't going to leave it to your family because they'll probably have to pay it off. Come on, church. We've got to get rid of the yoke. This thing that's keeping us from doing the will of the Father, this thing that's keeping us from doing God's will and being involved in church, because we, I'm going to tell you, the truth is we come into church so loaded down with life's problems and cares that we can't even find a place to worship God because we've got all this on our shoulders. It's, it's 
all the junk you're carrying in, the baggage. Some of you have brought a lot of baggage in here today, and it's time to unload. I'm, I'm opening this altar today. I want you to know that his yoke is easy. And if we could just find a place to be content in God. We could just find a place. Lord, I, more than I need anything, God, I need you. Because it's you that's going, it's in you that I can find contentment. It's in you. It's, it's, it's not in the things of this world. I can, I, can, I can have everything this world has to offer and have nothing. But if I could just get my family saved, Brother Fred, if I could just get my children to come to church, if I could get my children involved again, if I could get my grandchildren to come, then I'm the richest man alive. That's my desire. I'm going to tell you, the youth of this church, kids of this church, I pray for you in the wee hours of the night. Because I see a generation that's discontent, and I don't want you to get caught up in it. Because it'll never bring you contentment, but godly things, but the altar, but the things of God working in the church and getting involved in church will bring contentment to your life. Oh, Jesus. Standless. I wish you'd really find your place to pray. I, I want you to be happy. I want you to be content. But you'll never find it in things. You can have everything you want and you'll never be content. There'll always be something else to reach for. Oh, Jesus. Let's find a place to pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.